We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. your go-to Pacers podcast here, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. It is 9 a.m. on a Saturday, and I'm joined today by Michael Focci to recap this Pacers victory over the Detroit Pistons, 136-113. to The Thanksgiving boy is full, and he is ready to talk about this victory. So, Focci, what's up, man? How are you? Thanksgiving, man. But at the same point, hey, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm stuffed off some Pacers W's. This feels good to get one back. Uh, a game against Detroit, we talked about it. Look, I, I want to see what we can do defensively against Detroit. There was a couple quarters that didn't look great, but when it mattered most, Pacers stepped up. Alex, a win's a win. We're never going to remember how we got it, other than the fact that we did. I'm happy to get back in the W column. Yeah, so if you guys watched this game, it was the blue courts, the teal courts with the yellow runner down the middle. It was another in-season tournament game. For the Indiana Pacers, and of course they won because they just haven't lost a game in the end season tournament uh, pool play this year. So 
That means they will have home court in the knockout round of the in-season tournament, which is the first round, which is great for them because now they have a chance to actually, I think they have a chance to be the number one seed. They do. What happens to Milwaukee in Mm -hmm. their fourth and final game. So this is a big one for the Pacers because they go out there, they kind of had to run the score up a little bit at the end. Rick Carlisle said it is what it is. Didn't really like that, but you know, for the Pacers to have that much pride and go out there and win all four of these games, we joked about it in the offseason. Like, I want them to win the tournament, but I'm really glad it's not a joke anymore because it feels fun to watch. It really does. And we talked about it before. It, it did. Every game felt like a playoff atmosphere. You could say this game against Detroit maybe a little bit different, but like when things mattered most in the fourth quarter, this was a game that was going kind of back and forth. You, you didn't hope it would be like that, but the Pacers stepped up. They responded. Each game had a different feeling to it. None of these games felt like. I don't know, the Orlando game, where it was just like, okay, you know what, hey, this is kind of just another game. No, they all had a playoff-type feel to it, and the Patriots have handled business. When games have mattered more to them, it's shown. And right now, I feel like the in-season tournament has been a success, at least for the Pacers, and they they want it. They, They To be able to host the next game, hey, that's great. But they want this recognition which comes with being able to potentially play on national television again. again, And then also being in, in games that have just a different feel to it. So I love what I've seen so far in these four in-season tournament games for the Pacers. Yeah, it's not it's not really been a playoff atmosphere all the way, but it's felt like it. So yeah. you kind of got this, you know, situation now where the Pacers are, are – playing meaningful games. They mean something. It's not just, oh, another game on the 82-game schedule. Like, they still matter, and they still count towards that. But there is, like you said, other implications to it. Like, we can go to Vegas. We can get more nationally televised games. We can get another home game here in front of our fan base, and that's good for ticket revenue for the franchise. So there's a lot of different angles you can look at it, but just playing meaningful basketball and taking care of business when you have to, it kind of shows that this Pacers team so far has been able to answer the call when they've had their backs against the wall. And these games have not been easy. It's been an uphill battle against Philadelphia, an uphill battle against Atlanta on the road when they were down by 13 at half. The Cleveland came back and kind of took control of that game in the fourth, and the Pacers ended up putting it away with a nice run. I remember it was like a 15-4 to run during that game, and Tyrese mm-hmm. Halliburton hit a huge like, dagger three. I think it was like and three threes in a row or whatever. We had a couple That threes. was on the road. That was, yeah, that okay, was, that was, was another season game. tournament. Yeah. But the end season tournament game, he didn't play great in that one. I think he only had 18 points, which we joked about. I think it was 18 and 13. Miles had a great game in that one. But 18 this is, and 13, just a terrible game. For Tyrese, it's, uh, I know, I mean, I we're know. used to seeing 30 plus points every night. I mean, what did he get 26 last night against the Pistons? Yep. I was like, come on, Ty, what are we doing? But, uh, <laughs> You know, it was one of those games where it was great to have a lot of players back, but we're going to change things up a little bit for how we do our post game press, con- our post game recap podcast here because we thought we're a little bit all over the place. We want to get this more structured, so we're going to do some things we like, some things we didn't like. So we'll start our, we'll start off with the positive here. Things we liked, Fachi. What's your first one? I'm going with the return of Andrew Nemhard, I, I, and it's in specifically his play in the fourth quarter. Having Nemhard back, I think, was was great. One, you know, McConnell didn't get in. The McConnell minutes haven't been great, but not to bash on McConnell, more of praising Nemhard. He was a plus 25. That was the third best of any Indiana Pacer behind just Bruce Brown and Benedict Matherin. But he played the full fourth quarter, and he played with great defense when the Pacers needed it. But then also offensively, nine points, 
two assists, two offensive rebounds, and a steal in the fourth quarter alone. So I think that that was great to be able to have Nemhard back because I felt like the Pacers and that second unit had really been missing him. In just 20 minutes overall of play, he finished the game with 13 points, four assists, three rebounds. Um, and like I mentioned, that plus 25, it was great to see. Yeah, I think that Nimhard's return was fantastic. The Pacers need his defense more than really anything else that he brings to the table. Like, it's nice to have a guy that can go out there and pass the ball and, and find different ways to make some shots and get some shot creation because he had some nice step backs last night that he hit and was able to use his footwork and his ball handling to create some space against the Detroit defense. But I really did like the way that he played defensively in this game, and I think that's the most important aspect of his game. And also, he's a, he's able to play with Tyrese Halliburton because he can shoot the ball. It's not a great three-point shot, but he's much more capable than, like you said, a T.J. McConnell, who has not played mm -hmm. particularly well, especially the last three games with Nimhard sidelines. So it was one of those things where I was very happy to see Nimhard back in the rotation. I thought we might see a little bit of rust. I thought after having the back injury, what's he going to look like? He hasn't played in three games. It's been over a week really since he played. What is he going to look like? And he looked fantastic. So it was great to see him out there and great to see him kind of teaming up with Bruce Brown, guarding the best perimeter players of Detroit. And they both got switched on Cade multiple times. And they really did a great job in that second half, limiting Cade Cunningham. So it was really good to see the Pacers kind of step things up here, but specifically Nimhart. And that kind of ties into with my first one. And that was that fourth quarter defense, Fachi. They outscored Detroit 39-17. to I'm not sure if this is the best quarter they've had defensively, but it's got to be one of the best ones where they've held a team under 20 points. Held them to just 17, 113 total points for the game. I think that's the third high or third lowest scoring game from an opponent. The Bulls had 112 and beat us. And then there was another game where it was like 107. I forget who ended up having that. But I think uh, basically just overall, just quickly touched on that. If I think the 17 points is the fewest the Pacers have okay. allowed in a quarter, but I also think it was their most complete quarter because they also gave you 39. So yeah. I'm right with you. That fourth quarter was everything that you needed to see out of the Pacers on both sides of the ball. I think that was massive for the game. Yeah, I mean, defense leads to offense. And when you can lock in and create steals and get out in transition and, you know, just really muck it up a little bit because I think the Pacers are at their best when they're not taking the ball out of basket. And they're able to get the rebound and push the ball up. I mean, they did, a bit, they did a better job on the glass in that second half as well, too. So one of those games where it's just like the the Pistons were like right there in the third quarter. You're thinking, are we really about to have like a down to the wire game against a two and 13 Detroit Pistons game at this moment? You know, the Pistons were, were hungry for a win. They'd had three days off prior to this game, but the Pacers took care of business. And you got to give Detroit some credit for, for hanging in there for as long as they did. But. They're just not as talented. They're not as deep as the Pacers are. They're really young. They're still trying to figure things out with their new system, their new coach, and everything like that. So the Pacers did what they needed to do, but I thought their their fourth quarter defense, that lineup of Ben Matherin, Bruce Brown, Andrew Nimhard, Miles Turner, and Obi Toppin really played terrific defense. And then Ty got in the game a little bit later, but it was uh, I think he came in for Obi actually. So they even went a little bit smaller, <laughs> and it worked out fine. Just having enough defensive guys out there makes a difference and you didn't need Neesmith tonight but he would have probably got a lot more minutes had he been able to play I definitely think so and you know uh looking back at it 
the fewest points the Pacers had given up all season was 112 to Chicago. So this okay. essentially was their best defensive effort, you know, giving up 113 points. But obviously, you know, the, that fourth quarter was just um, – it was massive. So I think that's a great point by you. Um, and just when it mattered most, the Pacers stepped up. So switching over to uh, kind of the opposite, one thing that we didn't like – do you want me to start or do you want to start? Well, I, I, we were wrong. 111 by the Spurs is what we gave up to them. Ah, 111. I knew we're I was missing one. one. I thought okay. I, was like, I looked this up last night and I was thinking, what was the game where we only scored? a? It was 107 to 112 was the Bulls score. So I got that confused in my head. That's why I said 107. But 111 was the lowest score we've allowed. That was the Spurs, 112 Chicago, and then 113 twice now to Cleveland and like you said, to uh, tonight, to Detroit. But, yeah, we can move to a bad one, Pachi. Let's go to things we didn't like. Things that I didn't like, I-, I thought the physicality in the first half, just overall what kept Detroit around was their rebounding advantage. At halftime, Detroit led the Pacers in rebounding 28-13. to 13. Mm, But more yeah, importantly, man. on the offensive side of the glass, they were they, they led 11-3 to three on offensive rebounds. I just felt like it was like, oh, come on. But the big thing that kind of, if we can tie it together, is actually in the second half, the Pacers responded. And in the second half, Indiana actually out-rebounded Detroit 27-15. to mm. Alex, get this, on the offensive side of the glass, 12-3. to Yeah. So I felt like in the first half, the thing I didn't like the most was the Pacers were not physical with Detroit. Yeah, and this kind of ties into one of the things I didn't like, too. We're kind of in lockstep here a little bit, but there was a play, and I'm sure people remember it very well, in that first quarter with about five minutes left to play. Jaden Ivey, wide open for three. There's three pacers standing in the pan. I want to say it was like Tyrese Halliburton, Obi Toppin, Buddy Hill. This doesn't surprise anybody that these three guys would be lost on defense, okay? So Jaden Ivey shoots a wide open three. Isaiah Stewart, a.k.a. Beef Stew, is standing right in the paint, and... He tipped it once, missed it, tipped it again, missed it, tipped it a third time, and finally got fouled by Miles Turner, who came down there to try to get in there and be involved because he was away from the play. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you let a guy stand in the paint with three paces around him and not once put a body on him? I think Obi Toppin tried to outjump him three different times and never once was able to get a body on him. And that, to me, just kind of says, okay, this is why the Pacers have been so atrocious defensively little things like that rick carlisle was very unhappy about the pacers defense in the pregame press conference he basically said we're we've given up 20 to 25 points against the raptors because of breaking our scheme and little things like that are breaking the scheme you don't defend a guy at the three-point line at all you let him get a clean look that's mistake number one but then mistake number two you have three guys sitting in the paint and you can't put a body on a six foot seven Isaiah Stewart. It's not like the man is six foot ten, six foot eleven. But regardless, put a body on him. Get out there and get the basketball. Like these possessions matter, whether it's you know the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. And I thought to myself, that was just terrible. I I was like blown away by that. And there was a lot more other defensive plays too, where they just, they got obliterated in the pick and roll late rotations. A lot of times, there were some good help rotations recently in this game. I thought. Uh, Buddy Hill had a couple of them that I remember standing out where he kind of saved the play from being worse than it should have been. But overall, this was one of those situations where I'm just like that physicality, that lack of understanding why it's so important to dominate the boards. They just got to come out sharper on that end. 
It's it's true. I know you mentioned, you know, three Pacers, but at one point, you know, we mentioned when Miles comes back and I don't know if it was Halbert or so, whoever it was, at one point there's an image where it's essentially five Pacers are somewhat in distance and, and Beef Stew just continues to just go to work. So it's like, that can't happen. It reminded me of like that famous picture years ago where Shaq dunked on essentially like the whole entire Nets team in the NBA Finals where it's like, you can't have one man dominate a group of five. So I felt like I, I was very happy the Pacers were able to uh, come out with a sense of urgency in the second half. But in, in that first half, it, it was just – it was awful. I feel mm. like Detroit just kept hitting us in the mouth. We weren't responding. And, um, yeah, that's definitely something that I was frustrated with. All right, let's move over to another thing we did like. But let's go back to the positive. All right, another thing that I did like is I, I thought that Benedict Matherin in the second half was was more aggressive. He was one of four in the first half. He ends up finishing the game six of 12, so that means he went five of eight in the second half. And it was mm-hmm. good to just see Ben get his confidence back. He talked about how he played in the fourth quarter. Ben ended up finishing with a plus 27. So y- you like to see those games where he he's out there responding because the previous game against, you know, uh, Toronto – just five points on two and two of seven shooting. Great to see him be more aggressive in that second half. Get up eight shots and end up hitting five of them. Yeah, I thought I thought Ben Matherin actually played pretty solid defensively. And Rick Carlisle said this after the game. I thought Matherin looked terrific. It looked like a replay of the Milwaukee game. So big game for him. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say offensively, but I think Rick was more no. alluding to the defense. Yes, because the defense was pretty solid. You know, there's been a lot of inconsistencies and. Rick kind of touched on that even more, talked about how inconsistent, um, how hard it is to be consistent in year two and and just the struggles that he's going to deal with. He said, it's not year one. It's a different year, man. You're going to have some ups and downs, but it was great to see him play. And I I was glad that Rick rewarded him because it could have been easy to go back to Tyrese maybe a little bit earlier, get Ben out of the game and kind of ride with Andrew and Ty and Bruce and go that route. But Ben played really solid defensively and, it's one of those things where you're trying to figure out how Ben actually fits completely with this group, specifically with Tyrese Halliburton and the style they want to play. I like seeing him play with Andrew a little bit more. We know those two were drafted in the same class. They work out together. When we had Ben on the show, he talked about Andrew having the best offseason in terms of improving. And I think Andrew kind of plays a slower pace too. So I think those two together off the bench, Fodge, this might be a hot take here, could be more impactful then splitting them up and having Ben start next to Tyrese at this point in his career, because I think that Ty needs more spacing like we've seen with Buddy and the constant ball move or the constant movement without the ball from Buddy. So that does help. But I just think that Matherin's trying to find his groove and I'm glad that he's not really sulking coming off the bench and handling it professionally. Yeah. I mean, obviously we haven't heard of Pete, which is great, but Nights like tonight, when he sees that ball go in, when he's out there in the fourth quarter, when it matters, those are the things that's going to very much keep him happy. If Matherin ain't out there when it matters in the fourth quarter and he's got five points, eventually, yeah, you might see him sulk. Might The body language could be off. I think nights like tonight are very important for, you know, to still build up his confidence, but still say, hey, look, it doesn't matter if you're coming off the bench or whatever. You're playing when when it matters most. Mm-hmm. And tonight was a night that showed that. For sure. Um, I'm going to go into one of the things I liked, and that was Miles Turner overcoming foul trouble and then being so good in the fourth quarter because Miles Turner, it was interesting because he had a great start to the game. Had the, the first, first nine, nine points. points. Mm-hmm. 
four free throws, a two-pointer, and a three-pointer, and you're thinking, okay, it's going to be one of those Miles games. And I saw you tweet like, oh, confident Miles is here. And then they brought him back in in the second. He got his third foul, ended up going to the bench for a little bit. That's tough. And then he starts the fir- or the the third quarter, excuse me, and got a quick foul within like the first two to three minutes of that quarter. They pull him out and put Jalen Smith in. And I was watching Miles. He walks over to the bench, and he just punches a chair as hard as he can. He was ticked. And Miles even talked about that, how mad he was about that. He came into the first half and had zero rebounds. No rebounds in the first half. He finished with 10. So he was aggressive and got 10 rebounds there in the uh, the second half. He had three in the third quarter and seven in the fourth. And that fourth quarter, Fachi, he had 10 points. He was five of seven from the field. He just looked like a guy that was playing at a higher level. Uh, two assists, one steal. I think he ended up finishing the game with five blocks, had two blocks in the fourth. It was just great to see him overcome that because there's been times where we've kind of seen Miles not be able to put things together, and now we've seen it twice. You go back to Philly, what he did in the fourth quarter against Philly, and then this game against Detroit. Detroit has a lot of athletic bigs that can kind of make things challenging for him. I thought it was great to see him get started off so well. But then, unfortunately, to kind of fall back a little bit in the second and third quarters, I thought, man, is this going to be one of those games where Miles started out great but didn't finish the game well? No, it was a complete opposite. He was awesome in that fourth quarter, and I think he was a plus 26 in that quarter, which was the best of anybody for the fourth. Yeah, I mean, Turner was was everything that you needed when you needed to have it. And I think that his start to the game – was it really set the tone in the beginning because that was a good first quarter for the Pacers. And maybe some of our standards are a little bit lower now. My standards have been, can you keep the team below 30 in the in the first quarter? They held the 26, but Turner scoring the first nine, you, you felt that you were in for a real good game. And he ended up delivering. If he didn't get in foul trouble, he could have had a, a really special game. But you talked about earlier, you know, he had to run back and help when Isaiah Stewart was just dominating on the glass and and things like that. Is I felt that the Pacers were, uh, you know, the other four guys that were out there with him weren't putting him in a great spot to be able to succeed defensively because Detroit was just getting everything they wanted on the glass. But yeah, you know, Turner Turner stepped up. The Pacers needed that type of performance. Can I can I ask you a question about Miles? What do you got? Because someone asked me this yesterday at the game when I was out in the in the concourse and I was. Kind of, I didn't really like, they didn't ask me, but they said, Miles has gotten a lot slower this year in terms of his reaction um, to responding to how when guys drive by him, he just looks like he's a step slower than he used to be. And I thought, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I can kind of see it a little bit. I was curious your thoughts on that. Well, it could be a little bit of a recency bias because he was slower than a snail against Toronto, you know, when Scotty Barnes went by him. But I do think if you, if you take that play out of there, I don't think it's been very noticeable by any means. But obviously, recency bias on that play, it stands out to me. So I, I would say I don't think that by any means he's looking real slow. I think the Pacers are playing ridiculously fast basketball that maybe he is a little bit more winded because you, know, you look at and see what they're doing offensively. Yeah, they're putting up points in bunches. They're getting up and down the court. So maybe he could be a, a little bit tired, but I don't think it's by any means to be like, oh, man, Turner looks gassed out there. Like, get him out of there. Well, that didn't even mean gas. I just meant like he's slow to react. Like it's not as quick as he once was, not as light on his feet. I, I mean, I'm just saying that for it, it could just be that, you know, the Pacers are playing so fast that eventually it could be a, a second delayed or anything of the sort. Yeah. But I, I think the Scotty Barnes play is what stands out to me the most is he was very delayed on that. But other than that, I, I don't think I really was nitpicking that. 
I will I will say this. I don't think Miles has ever been fast. He never they had a, when he was coming to the draft, they they thought that he had a problem running. Like this yeah. guy can't really run. Like the way and it's so it's like I think he's probably faced that most of his life to be like, oh, he runs kind of weird or anything of the sort. He's definitely never been a fast center right. by any means. Yeah, and I think it's I think he's a little slow footed when he's trying to guard out in space too, but he's able to use his length to recover. He's gotten better as an on ball defender, but there's still times where if he gets out of position, like, and he is a little slow to react sometimes, I will say, yeah. when he gets beat off the dribble, but he has such good length that he's able to recover pretty quick. And that's what's made him such an elite rim protector for so many years is just his ability to recover. Now, he's, I mean, if you if you want to look at Isaiah Jackson, Isaiah Jackson is drastically faster than Miles Turner when it comes yeah. to just being in open space. But that doesn't mean that Miles is slow by any stretch of the mean. I just, I didn't necessarily agree with it. I just felt like, He's not taking a step back. I just kind of feel like that's who Miles has always kind of been in terms of a little slower than maybe you realize, but still it doesn't seem to really impact the game that much. No, I don't think anybody's ever labeled Turner a fast, you know, center by any means. And uh, I don't, I, I think you had a great point. His, his recovery is elite, I think yeah. at times. So, you know, I'm All not right. worried about it. Last thing here for things we didn't like, Flatchy got one for me. Yeah, I would just say the second quarter defense, I just feel like Detroit, they put up 37 points in that situation. I was, like I mentioned, I was really happy. Pacers held Detroit to just 26 in the first quarter. I was like, okay, hey, you know what? Solid, positive. But then for to nearly give up 40 points in a quarter, it feels like at least once a game, the Pacers are giving up about 40 in a quarter. And I just felt like that really worried me in that second quarter to be like, oh my God. Because now at this point, I believe they were trailing by one at halftime. That, mm. That's not what you wanted to see. So I just felt that overall, you know, Cade was getting what felt like everything he wanted, um, you know, in, in the first half. I think in that second quarter, that was just uh, one that I, I was not proud of defensively from this Pacers team. 18 points for Cade Cunningham in the second, in the second I quarter. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't know it was 18, but I knew he was just cooking us. Yeah. I mean that, that second quarter. I was I I thought to myself, this is why he was the number one overall pick, and it's easy to forget given that you know the ankle inj- or the, the the shin injury that he had last year. But Cade looked absolutely special in that second quarter, and it was very worrisome from a, a defensive standpoint. Yeah, he shot fifty four and a half percent, six from eleven from the field. He was also five of five from the free throw line, which means he was drawing fouls. I mean, five free throws in one quarter is pretty good. Uh, plus plus 11 for the Pistons when he was on the floor. Only had one assist, kind of became more of a score for him because they needed him to be. But, yeah, this is um, this is what was really interesting, and I kind of alluded to it. You know, Bruce Brown had to really step up and guard him in the fourth quarter, and Rick Carlisle talked about how he looked at Bruce about a minute and a half to go in the halftime before they came back into the second quarter and said, this is why we brought you to Indiana. you got to go out there and defend. you got to go out there and make it difficult for Cade Cunningham. And they held Cade to just nine points in the second half. So he had 22 points in the first half. 18 of those came in the second quarter. And that's why Detroit ended up having a huge lead. Or not a huge, but they were able to overcome the Pacers' seven-point lead that they had established in the first quarter and then ended up having a great quarter where they outscored the Pacers by nine. So Cade Cunningham is a good basketball player. And we didn't really see him last year at all because he was out with an injury that kept him out for like 70 plus games. I can't remember how many he ended up missing, but he was really good. He's very season two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you just you kind of forget how good Kate is because he's on such a bad team. But I, I thought that was kind of telling of how the Pacers have been. Like they just always play down to the level of their competition. 
or up to level their competition. And they can never just string together consistent play for four quarters, no matter who they're playing. They could play the best team in the East or the worst team in the East, and they're going to be right there with them back and forth come the fourth quarter. It's like, can we please just learn how to defeat these teams for 48 minutes instead of having to rely on a 12-minute fourth quarter to, to pull away? I know. I mean, like you look at this, and it's like, oh wow, the Pacers won by twenty three. Uh, yeah, we trailed in the fourth quarter. Like yeah. it, it was, it was an amazing fourth quarter performance. But this would have been a very deflating loss. Like this would have been like, wow, you know what? We're, we're coming off of blowing one to Toronto, but then we're coming to coming off of then losing to Detroit at home, a team that has two wins. So. I'm happy that the Pacers stepped up when they needed to, but there was enough worrisome stuff, you know, in, in the first half. In specific, the rebounding, how Cade w- was was just t- taking it to the Pacers in the second quarter. But I'm happy the Pacers were able to make the changes because we had not seen as complete of a fourth quarter as what we just saw. So hopefully they can build on that. Yeah, absolutely, Pachi. So as we close this out, your overall thoughts on the game, anything else you want to throw out there? Overall thoughts is the Pacers had seven players score in double figures. I thought that was great when we came into this year and said depth is our strength. It showed tonight. This is seven players in double figures without Aaron E. Smith. You also had two other players score eight points. So the the Pacers nearly had nine players in double figures, which is unbelievable. You know, for a team that has been atrocious defensively, fourth quarter defense was was awesome. You couldn't have asked for a better – you know, fourth quarter performance out of this team. And then, you know, Tyrese, while he didn't shoot his typical, you know, 50% or above, he was rock solid. 26 points, 10 assists to just one turnover. I mean, great. And then the last thing I just want to say, Obi Toppin's heating up right now. He, he's been consistent lately. That's that's what I, I knocked him for about a week ago was like, you can't go out there, score 20 points, and then have like four the next night. We're starting to see Toppin scoring double figures more consistently. And what I just want to compliment on, he's not doing too much. I think that he's sticking to what he does well. Yeah, I think Obi Toppin's been pretty solid overall. And and they've needed him, especially with Neesmith out. So Mm -hmm. good to see that. I will say we got to give a shout out to Buddy Heald, scored 9,000 career points in this game. Um, I'm sure he surpassed that. I forget when he actually made the 9,000th point. But that was great to see. And then, of course, you talked about Tyrese Halliburton, but Faji, we cannot end this podcast and not bring up what Tyrese Halliburton did to Asar Thompson. Oh, my God. How did we forget? I didn't forget. I, I just didn't put it on one of my things. I, I thought this is going to be one of the things Faji likes. It, wow. I am, like, almost disappointed <laughs> in myself. I'm thrilled that you brought that up. Maybe this is the difference of recording the next morning compared yes. to right after the game. <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton dropped Asar Thompson. I think he might have fell five, six feet back. He oh, waited. He, <laughs> he stared at him, and then he cashed that three-pointer. It was so beautiful. I made Babe come in from the other room. I said, no, 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 no. You got to get in here. You got to see this. Pause it. Re- rewind, rewound it. It was electric. That, to me, is there more of a welcome to the NBA moment for Asar Thompson than that play right there? I don't think there's going to be one. And it's it's pretty funny because if you go back and watch a James Harden video when he did this, James Harden, I forget who even dropped. I, I feel bad that I forget who it was. But 
I know what you're talking about that. He dropped um, the guy and then just stares at him as he's looking um, looking at him. Then he hits the three. And Tyree said the same thing. Like he waited a good second or a second and a half before he pulled the next before he pulled the shot up. And I think Katie actually even Kate had even started to like leave his man to kind of contest Tyrese. And all of us in the media were like, he has to make this. He has to make this. And then after he does, his skip was even more goofy than it normally yep. is. And he just had like this hilarious face, like this look on his face. He was playing with an injured wrist. He was questionable going into the mm-hmm. ninth game. And he actually had a wrap on his wrist. So I was glad to see that he was able to play through it. And that might have been part of the problem. He was 9 of 23 from the field and not like you said, 50%. But he still hit some deep threes last night uh, against the Pistons. It was just great to see. And at one point in the free throw line, we actually heard it, Fachi. I don't know if you could hear it on the TV, but in the arena, fans were chanting, MVP, it's time. It's MVP. Time. I was like, okay, it's he's arrived. He has arrived. Pacer fans are taking notice. Our good friend Tyler Smith, who actually was a part of the show when we first started the first year, he wrote an article that said Tyrese Halliburton is the next Reggie Miller. So, I'm not going to argue with it right now. Tyrese has been pretty dang impressive, but yes. I just felt like we had to touch on that before the show ended. It would have been a crime if we didn't. It was such a, um, such like just that that play that got all the teammates just you know motivated. That that's so like hype. You know, it, it was it was great to see. There's no other way to put it. And yeah, for Halliburton, he, I love the fact that he's starting to get those MVP chants. That's special. It's everything that we've hope for in, in a franchise player, but a gutsy performance also. It's like Halliburton could have missed this game. He could have yeah, missed the game. They, they could have arrested him. We would have been in big trouble. We don't win this game without Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think know. We could have found a way to win. It might have been a lot uglier of a win, but it I think would we have been ugly. Yes, I'm not going to say that there's no chance that we beat the worst team in the league, but it wouldn't it wouldn't have been pretty. So I'm happy no. that we were able to have Halliburton out there because I, I think he did make a big difference. Talk about it. look, the ten assists to, to one turnover. I mean that that's phenomenal. And that's just talking about one aspect of his game. So hey, Tyrese, I'm very happy you were able to grind it out compared to just like a load management. You know, we're gonna rest him like many other franchise players end up doing in the league. Okay, Fauci, time for our MVP of the game. Who are you giving it to? Oh man. MVP of the game, there, there was a few different performances that I think you could, uh, you know what? I, I, I'm just I'm just sticking on Tyrese. Maybe it's a moment because I'm happy that he did play. There's other players that you could. There's, I think it's like got to be Miles. You could give it a Miles, and, and that, that that's more than fine. Uh, we the, the way he started off the game, the nine points really set the tone. But when Turner was on the court, he was really good. It was when, when he wasn't where I feel like the Patriots were like, okay, hey, you know what? Now we're hurting a bit due to the foul trouble, but – uh, Turner, every bit deserving. If Tyrese doesn't shoot 50% from the field, I'm not giving it to him. He's done okay. it too many times. That's fine. That's and, fine. And, and honestly, they were able to really kind of grow that lead with Tyrese on the bench. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it, his best game by any means. No, it was a good game, but not his best game. He came in and kind of helped finish it out. He had a nice dunk at the end of the game, got the crowd excited. Obi Toppin's talking on Pacer social media. That dunk was awesome. That was with authority. I mean, my wife was over at her parents' house watching the watching the game, hanging out with them um, while I was at the game, and she texted me. She was like, that dunk was great. That's I wish awesome. I was at this game. She was at the Raptors game with me, so she had to see a heartbreaking loss. But Oh, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, so it was it was cool to see her excited for it. But, yeah, I just I, I think Obi Toppin's video was hilarious on, um, on the Pacers' Instagram account and their Twitter account. He was just like, 
man, the in-season tournament's got people doing crazy things. Bruce and Ty <laughs> dunkers now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was really fun. Bruce Brown's dunk in the fourth quarter was incredible, too. Like, that was. honestly, it's hard to give one person MVP. I think it was a group effort tonight more than it has been probably all season long. I, I think that that's fair because it's like I, I'm happy that a, you know, Tyrese toughed it out and, and, and played the game and all that. But like I mentioned before, seven players score in double figures, nearly nine. I think that just about every player made a positive contribution. You really only had one player with a. Uh, a minus, you know, plus minus di- differential, and, and even Buddy Hill played played good offense. Like you're not you're not going to complain about you know Buddy in this game. He didn't hurt the Pacers with his 18 points on on six of 12 shooting. It just showed that it's like this this was a good team effort. So overall, everybody can get a share of that MVP trophy. Absolutely, I, I think that's right. I mean, we we can make it a case for a lot of guys. Ben Matherin had a great plus minus. Bruce Brown was really good in the second half. Andrew Nimhart came back, really played strong. Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith played great off the bench. Played double Isaiah bigs. had moments. He had moments. The, the double bigs, seeing that out there, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but I felt like Isaiah Jackson, he's putting together a string of consistency right now that, that I, I'm really happy about. He's, I mean, eight he boards, had some six boards, blocks, yeah. three blocks. Yeah, I know we're kind of all over the place right now, but we we're are. kind of closing this out. But he had yeah. a great pass to Ben Matherin. In the third quarter, I believe it was when he kind of found him cutting when he was on the baseline, and had him, and he had a great pass to end the third to Jalen Smith with like two seconds left. He got the ball and like tipped it to him because he saw Jalen wide open into the basket, and Jalen was not able to make that alley oop play to end the third quarter. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it was uh, it was a really just smart play by Isaiah Jackson. He's improving as a player, and then Jalen Smith hits another three. Right, I mean, just looking like a like a bona fide three point shooter. Oh, yeah. Start the movement for three point. Contest, right, Faji? All star weekend. <laughs> yeah, Jones. yep. Two for two, two for two in the game. I know he he gotta, knows when to shoot him. He knows when to shoot him, and he's hitting them. So that's a big thing here. But let's go ahead and wrap things up here, Faji. Let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Pacers Pod STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Pod STP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. And if you guys are out listening to this on a Saturday or a Sunday, please stop by Ripple Bagel and Deli and try the Setting the Pace sandwich. Let them know that you heard about it on Setting the Pace. Want to make sure we continue to give them a shout out as we did not have our Fan of the Week segment this week, thanks to Thanksgiving. But next week, we do have our Setting the Pace Fan of the Week trivia finale. We got our four winners coming back to take the crown. Who will it be? I think you guys are going to want to tune into that next week. But Fachi, if you're excited, the Pacers go 4 0. An in-season tournament play and will host a game in the first round of the quarterfinals. Then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.